All right, hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. We are joined today by uh, one of my best friends on the entire planet, uh, Token Tony. How are you doing, buddy? Doing great. Just uh, got done with a walk a little earlier, living the dream in Las Vegas, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, dreams uh <laughs> drying up a little though i was gonna say it's a dirty dream down there right now yeah it, it's a hot dream <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah it's like a it, it literally is a desert down there but it's like it's it's got to be like an oven down there like by the time afternoon comes around it's got to be just unbearable yeah i mean it, it's starting to cool off a little but besides that it's still pretty hot for most people even though yeah. it is dry heat well and i think too it's I think the problem there is like, or sorry, not the problem, but one of the benefits is the heat versus like if it was cold and miserable and the state of affairs down there, it's, uh, you know. So Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This fucking Seattle. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I understand there was, I guess, some kind of rally that the performers tried to have last night to get, uh, your beloved governor Sisolak uh, to release the performance. It's, it's just, I got to say, it's got to be a mess. Like I, I feel bad for everybody down there because every industry right now is kind of fucked down there. It's, it's literally a shit show. Yeah. I can't like, uh, it's, it's very tough. Like I was telling somebody was asked me, they're like, Oh, how are your friends doing in Vegas? I said, to put it into perspective, there isn't a single person I know that works in a casino that has a job in a casino that's actively working in a casino right now. I think I know one and Do you? I know a lot of people that work in the casinos. I think Corey yeah. went back to work. Pardon me? I think Corey went back to work. Oh, did he at Red Rock? Yeah. It's so funny that it's him of all people that, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, good, good for him. Yeah. He just reached out to me the other day and told me things are at least going up and they are nice. looking for some people possibly. So, Hey, if there's an opportunity, man, you might need to jump to on it. Yeah, you might need to jump on yeah. that. Oh, you might need to yeah, jump that on that. Or way. work on the railroad. Fuck. Yeah. No, I would say, honestly, if he gives, if there's an opportunity there, you might as well jump on it in the interim, right? Like, that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even you know. if it's just little by little or I could work my way up and... Yeah. Who knows? But it's, uh, what was I going to say, too? It's, uh, and it's a nice place. Like, it's not like it's some kind of dump hotel. Like, Red Rock's it's nice. It's in the nicer part of town. It's mm-hmm. one of the nicer casinos off the Strip, for sure. And Yeah. It's definitely nice enough that it could be on the Strip, too, which I think, yeah. for those of you listening at home that have never been and have heard, oh, should I go to Red Rock? It is worth the trip. Like, it is nice. And, I mean, you could make a whole vacation out of just staying out there at Red Rock, right? Yeah, you can go to the national park as well, and because they have a, that out, they have a scenic loop over at the national park and a lot of hiking trails and all that. Just don't go during the summer if <laughs> you do bring like a gallon of water per person. I could imagine, but Red Rock Casino, they've got don't they have a movie theater there and like a bowling alley or something else? Or bowling alley, yeah. yeah, and there's like a mall right over by there too. And oh, that's right, yeah, because it's in Summerlin, so it's uh, or by Summerlin, yeah. And is and the Golden Knights practice facility is right around there too, isn't it? Yep, and then the Las Not Vegas that that uh, right now, but Aviators, the AAA uh, right baseball is right over by there too. Right, that's right. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, not, not a serious spot of town, and 
Yeah. I mean, but I, I would like, you probably need to rent a car to get out there, but I mean, it's yeah. a different type of vacation. It's, it's definitely a different type of Vegas vacation, but definitely worth it. It's All like right. Kind of. Yeah. All right. So uh, for those of you listening, we, um, we had had a discussion a couple of months. Well, we, it, it's been an ongoing theme that we talk about and uh, Aaron's been in, uh, for those of you that remember from last time from the Vegas squares, uh, him and I, all three of us have talked about it. And uh, especially when it comes around to the main event, arguably the greatest main event uh, winner of all time, uh, Stewie Younger. And uh, tragic story. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, basically life got derailed, crippled by addiction. Um, very yeah. sad. Uh, I think Stu Unger, the story of Stu Unger is the ultimate warning about vices, success, um, but also an amazing story of skill and talent and ability. Like this was a guy that would get himself perpetually in the gutter and could just show up and be like, yeah, okay, I need, so- I really need some money. Let me just go show up and win a big event. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, I mean, he, he, he could get out of a sticky situation pretty easily. It seemed like based on his skills and all that, yeah. but then get himself back into probably even more stickier situation so mm-hmm. and it's very sad for anybody who doesn't know the story of his death was uh he so he had won the was 97 main event i believe it was was his last one came back to defend the 98 and then uh showed up to day one and i believe had the chip lead after day one or and, pretty close to it yeah um and then uh infamously didn't show up to day two ended up blinding out. I'm not sure. And I, I, so don't quote me to this, but I believe he actually had enough chips. He might've either cashed or made it into day three of the 98 main event or made it late into day two. That's how many chips he had. Um, And uh, nonetheless, nobody knew where he was. Uh, They found him in um, not the nicest of motels um, dead and a very tragic story. And as people say, it's, it's, there's, there's so much to say about the story, but it's like, here was a guy who any hotel would have given him a free suite. You know, oh, it's yeah, infamous sure. that Caesar's palace had offered him to just come and live there. And uh, so it's just, it, it's a tragic story. But anyway, where we were going with this and our discussion always ends up being is just how great in the grand scheme of things was Stu Unger five time bracelet winner, three main events. Um, I want to say it was stud and Raz. Um, I mean, we could easily look it up, which um, his other bracelets were in, but um, nonetheless, it's uh, very, very, very sad uh, that uh, one Stu Younger, I'm going to look this up as we ta- chat about it, but um, his all right. last cash was that uh, main event bra- bracelet. Pardon me? His last cash was, was the, was the main main bracelet. Okay. bracelet. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think he either blinded out end of day two or early in day three and just missed the cash. Yeah. Very sad. Okay. the months following. Okay. So yeah. as the night, uh, Billy, ba- yeah. Cause Billy Baxter had backed to had backed him for both of yeah. his, uh, um, Oh, okay. So here it is. So he won. Uh, so none of his, so this is crazy. So none of his wins came in events with $5,000 buy-ins or less. Um, Everything was a five thousand or ten thousand dollar buy-in. His first being a main event in nineteen eighty. Yeah, he won the five K seven card stud in eighty three. 
Yeah. yeah. And then in 81, he double braceleted, deuced to seven, and then um, a repeat of his previous year's main event. And then in 97, 14 years after his 83 bracelet, came back um, and won the main event again uh, for a million dollars um, in what many people consider to be the greatest comeback in poker uh, history, uh, just in terms of his life and everything. Hmm. So where we're going with this is um, with the moneymaker boom and the modern era of big field events, um, where you have this range. When Stu Unger was winning main events and winning bracelets, it was generally the best players in the world were playing 10K events. Um, it yeah. wasn't a bucket list thing. Now for a lot, of, like, now the main event becomes this thing where it's like you hear the stories and the feel-good stories of, oh, you know, my wife and kids saved up to send me. They always knew it was a dream. You know, people satellite in, whatever it is, people save up money because they just want to do it. It's just a bucket list thing um amateur players pros whatever it's just a wide range of players and yeah. that was what separated his 81 from 97 victories was the field size had grown drastically and he was still able to do it so where yeah. our discussion had come in was could Stu Unger navigate these 6,000 plus player fields and still be winning main events and I personally feel if there was a betting line of Stu Unger versus the entire field it would be so hard to bet against Stu I mean, the, the value on him would still be probably good, in my opinion. I mean, he, what, what, what would you set a line at that, real, realistically, Stu Unger against 6,000-plus people? I'd say you'd have to set it in the pluses, of course. Like, it, it is still oh, yeah. an underdog thing. I don't know that it's that big of a plus, though. Like, I would say the highest I could see it going is, like, a plus 225. Uh, I was thinking a little higher than that. You think so? Expe yeah, especially if the books want to try and – make money because they, they probably don't want people that's true. You don't, on that's, the field too much and all that's that. That's true. Yeah. I could see that. That's true. Yeah. What, what would you set that, the line at? Realistically, um, I was thinking like 20 to 25 to one for Stu. So and then plus 2,500. Wow. And then on the opposite side, you probably do uh, right around the minus 7,000 range. So. Wow. Yeah. It's a tough thing. Yeah. I, I could, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's just the reason why I don't know if they would set it that high. And I mean, that line would have variance to it because as the, as the tournament went on and as he made the money and if he was going into like day four and five as a chip leader, I mean, all of a sudden that now has to shrink drastically because now if you're betting. Oh yeah. yeah. It, you know. it probably, it still might be in the pluses, but you're talking maybe two to one. Yeah. At that point, that's probably when it shrinks down to like a plus two twenty five. Could he get it? Like, can he close okay. out? And I mean, and he's arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest closer in poker history. If he had the yeah. chance to close out, he did it. He, he, um, he knows when, to, when, when he, he knew when to pick his spots and all that. Yeah. And be aggressive in situations where most people want to be aggressive mm -hmm. and try and force people into making bad choices. Yeah. And I think, so the crazy thing is, is when you break it down, we, when we said, went from main events beating a whole field size, we're like, well, heads up. If we took a field of just all-time legends, best players, current, past, whatever, is there a way in which he doesn't win was now the, was now kind of my, our, our personal discussion, you and I, about mm -hmm. Is there really a field and any way a field could be generated in a heads-up event that one at a time he couldn't just 
find a way to get through the field. So I found a, a bracket generator. We settled on a 128 player field. Um, it was funny because when I was doing it this morning, I kept one player always got a buy. And ironically enough, I think it was like I ran it six times, four out of the six times, Olivier Bousquet um, was the one to get the buy. And I'm like, you know what, having met Olivier and uh, talked with him and, and played events with him, it was kind of like, yeah, if anybody's going to get that kind of luck, it probably would be Olivier that gets to sit and chill out while everybody else plays it. Uh, yeah. The only other person I could see kind of randomly per perpetually getting the buy would be like Joe Cata or something like that. Um, either that or Cata would get a ridiculous first round. I think I had one of the generators yeah, gave I mean, him Phil. That, 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 that's how like Cata runs. Either he has the buy and then yeah. a tough first round opponent or just a tough first round opponent in general. Yeah. Well, what was it? I think in, so last year – was it in uh, yeah so i played heads up the heads up in 2018 and him yeah. and i both had buys and then he got yeah. ryan reese in the sec in the second round yeah, i remember that and did he beat no reese beat him didn't he reese beat him that year and yeah. then lost in the next round i think it yeah. was um and last year or so 2019 he drew doug polk in the first round yeah, yeah I mean, and polk beat and i i mean yeah. polk would have even even a semi-retired or fully retired Doug Polk, I do believe, has a distinct heads-up advantage over Joe Cat. I think that was yeah, that was a tough draw for Joe. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like Joe as a person, as a player, and I mean, it's hard to beat Polk in that situation. Exactly. I mean, I, I think there was I think especially when he's running hot. Yeah, and especially when he kind of shows up with purpose. If Doug shows up to play and 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 actually cares, especially heads up he's one of the tougher people to beat. Um, but anyway, so we have a thing here. So I'm going to share my screen with you. Uh, all right. So let's see here if this works. Tommy, can you see my screen? Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's pull up the bracket. And I mean, for all you at home, we're going to get into this. Um, I haven't actually looked at this finalized bracket that we've settled on. So you can see the bracket now? Yeah. Okay. So I haven't taken a look at the entire bracket. I've seen the first few matchups, <laughs> but we're going to go through these and see if there's a way Stu Unger doesn't win. So our, my prediction is Stu Unger wins. Without okay. knowing how this bracket goes, I'm going to pick Stu Unger. He's my pick. Do you want to go there or do you want to pick somebody else? I'll pick somebody else. Um... Okay. Have you taken a list of the participants or do you want to just, do you want to take a quick look at the bra at the, how this bracket works the first round and then make a decision? I'll give you a second here to take a look and then you can yeah. make your pick. Um, I will take uh, Shulman. Nick Shulman. Yeah. Nick Shulman is your pick. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting one. Now, uh, for those of you at home, I do want to set a few caveats to this. This is assuming it's every player at their best. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are, and, and yes, for anybody at home who, uh, you know, who wants to go through the bracket, whatever, I can post, uh, I guess, screenshots or something to show you guys what, how the bracket ended up. But 
Um, yeah, maybe there's some names that got left out. At the end of the day, coming up with 128 players isn't an easy task, um, no. especially when there are non-bracelet winners in the field. It's easy to just go to the WSOP website, pick the 128 top bracelet winners, and move on. I tried to include non-bracelet winners, mm-hmm. um, as well as some single-time bracelet winners, and leave some others. Um, for instance, like Frankie O'Dell did not make my um, cut, even though he's a three-time bracelet winner, just because his three bracelets do come in one event. They're all in Omaha high-low. So Exactly, I, yeah. If you have a specialist like that, most likely probably not going to be in it unless if they have other su- successes as well. Yeah, like Nick Schulman's final tabled some Hold'em events, so I can see it. Um, and he's a super smart guy. Like when, He's probably one of my favorite when, the, when they have the commentary – um, he's probably my favorite guest. I think Nick Shulman's just yeah. poker IQs up there. I, I, I really enjoy listening to Nick Shulman. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and also with this bracket, it was easier to choose 128 instead of 64 and try and narrow it down to that nightmare. Well, exactly. And we had talked about like, do we have a play in round? Do we get some people get a buy, but then it's like, who gets the buys, right? Do you just decide, okay, it's based on bracelets or whatever. So 128, we got it. So let's get into these first matchups here. First one, we got Kluche versus Tran. Who do you have? And that one, I would take Kluche. Uh, Kluche over JC. I mean, in my opinion, that's a little... Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, he, he runs a little deeper, is a little more successful. JC, when he's really on, he's really on, but... Overall, I, I would give a slight edge to uh, TJ. I would say too. I'd say, I think that I think for a lot of people out there and casual fans, I think they might be quick to jump on JC's bandwagon. I think JC does have a bracelet. I'm not sure. Um, I know he I has a number. Has one, yeah. And I think, and he's had a number of deep runs in the main event as well. Um, but again, taking each player at their absolute best, I think TJ Cloutier, when he was at his best. Um, would get past JC. So I'm going to go with Cloutier as well on to round two. Um, we've got in the next one, Mormon versus Tilly. Uh, I, I love Jennifer Tilly. She's a great for the, she's great for poker. She's great on TV. Um, the whole nine yards is a bracelet winner herself. Chris Mormon's just too much for her. I think. Exactly. I mean, it, it's good to watch her in those cash games and all that, but however, Mormon, I think, is definitely the better player. Yeah, so I have Chris Mormon uh, moving on here. I think in probably now the first matchup we're going to encounter that's semi-close. That's close. I shouldn't say semi-close. Um, I do apologize to Igor Kurganov. Um, but we have Doug Polk um, entering the fray here. And, oh, and the seeding is random. Okay, I want everybody at home to know I do not think TJ Cloutier is the number one seed. Um, oh, of course not. I, I don't – in the grand scheme, I don't know that TJ would have – if you had to honestly rank them, I don't know that he makes the top half, but he still beats JC. Um, uh, Doug Polk versus Igor Kurganov. Who do you go with? I mean, at, at his peak, Polk, Polk's definitely one of the better players in the world. And uh, unfortunately, Igor, you're not going to advance. No, I don't think Iggy's got it there. All right. David Doc Sands versus Gabe Kaplan. I like Gabe Kaplan in this matchup. I, I, I know he has a decent amount of success as well as Sands, but I mean, Kaplan, it, it, He's also done some stuff out, outside of the felt on the poker industry and all yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I really like him for that. 
Well, welcome my, my back, Cotter. Yeah, my dad was actually able to meet him in uh, person back oh, in. Oh, wow. Uh, I want to say it was like in the late 90s or early 2000s. Wow. That would be cool. He'd be a cool guy to meet. I, I, I'm going with Kaplan as well. Pardon me. I just, um, and I like David Doc Sands, got nothing against him. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing about this is, in my opinion, Gabe Kaplan is probably the best non-professional, and I use that term really loosely, to mm-hmm. hang with the pros. And I go back to what he was able to do at the NBC Heads Up every year, and I don't think he was ever eliminated in the first round. I think that was one distinction he had. He was never eliminated in the first round, and including one year where he ended up beating three straight main event winners um, in Scotty Wynn, I want to say Joe Hatcham, and uh, I think it was Chris Moneymaker he beat in three consecutive rounds. I mean, we could argue some of those guys, but he beat Scotty Wynn. He did beat Scotty, baby. And Scotty's definitely tough to beat. So Scotty's one of the best. We can say whatever we want about his, per, you know, about him as a person, whatever, and his any of that stuff. But Scotty Wynn is truly one of the best players of all time. Now, now is Scotty better when he's drunk or not drunk? Always drunk. Always when he's drunk. Yeah. Always when he's drunk. Always when he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> call it, it's over, baby. You call it, it's all over, baby. These uh, chips will be mine. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, the, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Okay, baby. Um, all right. So next we've got, um, actually, uh, in other news too, I don't know if you heard about Mike Sexton, um, but he's not doing too well. And the reason why I bring him up is because he's in this next matchup. Uh, I think everybody's thoughts and prayers are with Mike Sexton right now. Um, mm-hmm battling uh, prostate cancer, which I believe um, from what I'm, I'm hearing has metastasized into other organs. He's under hospice care in his home. Um, so uh, it's, it, you know, thoughts and prayers are with uh, Mike Sexton, especially as he's uh, kind of getting to the end of the road here. Um, one of the, it's funny because yes, he does have a great, he does have a very polished uh, resume, but truly one of the first players I feel that got into the poker hall of fame based on what he's done for the game. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely probably one of the better announcers currently right now and yeah. will always have that legacy with me. I mean, he's yeah. got a good good poker IQ. It just doesn't seem like he can get it on the felt as yeah. much. Well, he won a stud high low in, I think, 87 or something like that bracelet. That was his yeah. one bracelet. And I mean, yes, and, and, and in the poker community, he's regarded as one of the best, one of the biggest and greatest ambassadors of the game. So thoughts and prayers with Mike Sexton. Uh, we got him against Fedor Holtz here. I think we can quickly get through this. I think Holtz moves on relatively easily there. Yeah, I mean, pretty much no contest, in my opinion, on this one. Yeah. But Mike is a decent player, but a better announcer. Yeah. And commentator. All right. I think for me, so far, this is the toughest first-round matchup that we're going to encounter. I was uh, thinking that right, right on the top of the list when I saw this. Tom Durdwan draws Michael the Grinder Mizraki, five-time bracelet winner versus probably at his best, one of, if not the best heads-up, no-limit hold'em specialists on the planet. Dur versus Grinder. One of them has to exit in the first round. Who do you got? I, I I mean I, I hate to say it, but I I kind of like Ms. Rocky in this one. I mean I, I think he just plays a little more aggressive and against Duan, it's going to be tough for him to overcome that. See, I think I think Duan could put. It's it's funny because Duan against anybody, his whole pre, the whole thing when he was at his best was his pressure. 
and uh, he knew his spots and was just a hell of a heads-up player. This is a tough one because Tom Dwan, when he's on his – see, Grider's never been really known as a heads-up no, specialist, and that's where I think I, I have to give the edge to Dwan is that's where he made his bankroll was playing heads-up. Oh. Yeah. I, I have to give it to Dwan. I have to. I have to say okay. Tom. I have to say I, I, Tom. I, mean, I don't. I don't disagree with it. As if it was mixed it, game or anything else, I would go with oh, Grinder. Yeah. But yeah. I think in heads up, no limit hold'em at their absolute best. That's yeah, where Dwan has the edge. If it was, if it was at their best in any field, I think Grinder is obviously overall a better player. Or, or if it was like a sh- shootout event where you have to win the table. Yes, yeah, so if you have to win the table, then I pick. Then I'd pick Grinder if they were at the same table. Yeah. Um, all right, Jason Kuhn versus Mike the Mouth Matisau. I mean, Kuhn's definitely a good player and all that, a lot of notoriety, but Mike the Mouth Matisau has been doing pretty well lately. And at his time bracelet winner, I think. Yeah, I mean, at, at his peak, it's it's tough for him to be dethroned. Yeah, I think I think Matisau heads up at his best there. I think he takes out Jason Kuhn. Um, Gus Hansen versus Brian Hastings. Yeah, th- this is another interesting matchup in my opinion. And I've got to get. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, interesting fact about these guys and this matchup is both of them have won a WSOP bracelet in the 10K Heads Up event. Brian Hastings did it in Vegas. Um, Gus Hansen's one and only WSOP bracelet, as far as I know, it's his only bracelet, came in the uh, when they used to have the same event over in Europe. And he uh, famously talked about, I think it was his hand in the final, that he almost lost um, when he slow played aces. And uh, mm-hmm. ended up trapping himself and then had to dig himself out of a hole to end up winning. Um, so both of them do hold a WSOP 10K heads up uh, bracelet um, as a little caveat there. So who do you pick? I, I mean, th- this matchup, I, I think Gus might end up doing about the same, trying to slow play a little too much and Hastings can kind of feel that out and Hastings is probably going to prevail on this one. I mean, Gus yeah. is definitely a good heads up player, but he does seem to dig himself in some bad holes and bad situations. I, I would agree. I would think that I think Gus could win, but I think it's like if you ran, if they played a hundred times, I think Hastings probably wins 65 to 73% of the time, because I think Gus will find himself kind of getting a little too cocky. You know, he'll win like with like a 9-3 and then start only playing garbage hands. Hastings will pick up on it. Hastings a very smart technical player, a multi-time bracelet winner across a broader spectrum of events, I believe. Yeah, um, and, so- and, he, and he could even fold those higher-ranked uh, hands and heads-up mm-hmm. situations, too. Exactly. And, um, and he's very good with pot controlling, too. Yes, yes. Brian Hastings is a tough player. Um, for those of you that uh, – it's kind of funny because he's one of those guys that kind of slips under the radar a little bit. You really have to be involved in poker to kind of know about Brian Hastings. But, yes, he's someone – like, if I see him at, at a table, I get a little anxious if I know I have to – that he's eventually going to show up at mine. Um, yeah. But moving on, I think this next one's a, a no-brainer. Jamie Gold, Jake Schindler. Jake moves on. Yeah. Uh, it, it, when you have – what many people regard as arguably one of the two worst main event winners. Um, I think Jake Schindler, who's one of the best tournament players. um, I think, 
and it's funny because when people talk about Dan Smith being the best player without a bracelet, it's tough to not include Jake Schindler in that list. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Jake there. Yeah. Uh, Victor Blom. Uh, what's his uh, online thing? Isildur. Uh, for those of you that have uh, ever heard uh, Doug, who have watched Doug Polk's videos about the legendary Isildur, uh, we have Isildur versus Chris Vich. Who do you got? Uh, g- give me a uh, Blom in this one. Right. I, I, I think I've got to go with Victor as well in this one. Yeah. Um, Chris Vich uh, is a hell of a player, but I don't think yeah. can hold him. He be he could be he's going to beat Blom. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is a little closer than the the Hastings and uh, handsome matchup. But. Yes, yes, because Chris Vich is a smart, smart, great player. Yeah. Um, as well. All right, Annie Duke, Kristen Bicknell. Uh, I mean, and remember, this is at their best. Yeah, and that's why I gotta go with Annie Duke. I, mean, I gotta, I, I, I gotta go. And 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 controversies aside. I do have to give it to Annie there as well. Yeah, um, and, I, I think she in her prime was definitely a better heads-up player and can apply a lot of uh, pressure. Yeah, and I think and – I, and, I, and I should say this to the listeners – is that, yes, there are some controversial names on this list. The idea is, is that if this event ever did take place, these are names that it would be hard to imagine wouldn't have gotten an invite. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah they, they might... based on notoriety and their mm-hmm. performance before yeah. – controversy or after controversy and yeah whatnot all right uh amarillo slim versus howard letterer <laughs> i i mean th- th- this is a hell of a matchup i mean this might be one of the closest so far yeah this is a and, good one this is a yeah. really good one because forgetting ha- everything out off the felt with howard letterer yeah there was a reason why they called him the professor there's a reason why he had the respect of all of his peers um amarillo slim a legend, um, yeah. bona fide legend. I don't know. For me, it's a coin toss there. For, for me, it's a slight lean towards Slim, and here's why: because back when he was playing, the field was much tougher. Yes, and yeah, I mean, it, and he it, was beaten, and he was beating Doyle. Yeah, he was beating Doyle, people like that style and all that. Yeah. I mean, the, the best of the best when poker was at its heyday prime of players and yeah so yeah i i'd agree with you there i think that's that's something to consider is that their bet yeah amarillo slim takes that so howard's out in the first round which would have actually been funny if we had had howard moving on he would have faced his sister in the next round so. yeah that, that would have been very interesting uh, all right up next is kane callis versus Liv bori i mean th- th- this one I would give a slight lean to Kane Callis on this one. I, I, I do. I am a, I am a Liv Bory fan. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that heads up has ever really been her thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, she does have a bracelet and she's, and, and most of her tournament prowess was always in, 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 in ring events, full table rings versus heads up. I'd have to go with Kane Callis as well. Mm-hmm. Um which ironically enough was going to be my, had I have gotten past James Chen that year would have been my opponent. Yeah. And I mean, you just ran into somebody that was running high. like a God, yeah. running like a God. And I think yeah, he, he even said that before. Yeah. Well, I remember there was a hand when I fold ace jacks and he flipped up the Kings. Yeah. And he, Cause I raised, he re-raised. And I was like, and he looked and I was like, fuck, he has a look. I think he's got it. And I'm like, I'm full. And I showed him, I'm like, I'm folding ace jack. And he's like, good. 
And he's like, fuck that. He's like, that. He's like, man, that's a good fold. And then he showed the Kings. I was like, oh my yeah. God. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Kane, Ka- but then Kane Kals came and, and, and redeemed me. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to go with Kane Kals there. Dario Minieri versus, uh, Chris Ferguson. Minieri hasn't, I, I haven't heard much about him in the last number of years, but when he yeah. was around and a big deal, that's why I had to include him. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, think, I, mean, I think Jesus takes this one though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's like a, almost a 70, 30 situation. Yeah. I mean, again, controversies aside off the felt stuff aside, yeah. um, Chris Ferguson is Chris Ferguson. Um, yeah. and that's, that's reality of it. Main event winner, five or six time bracelet winner, um, mm. NBC national heads up champion. The resume speaks for itself. Exactly. De- definitely one of the better heads up players on this list. Yeah. Next one, uh, Sam Trickett versus John Sin. John Sin, 2018 main event champion. That's why he's on the list. Um, mm. I tried to include the most of the main event winners from, um, the moneymaker era onwards, um, just out of a courtesy, because I feel like they would have been included because they've won the main. Exactly. Um, I mean, it, it's almost like a instant birth into this. Yeah, it's it's like the courtesy thing. It's like, yeah, you kind of have a bit of a celebrity within the community, so you get the invite. I think Trickett takes it relatively easily, though. Yeah, I would say not as easy as Ferguson, but around the 65%. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I, I and I don't know John Sin. I, have not, I don't know him personally. Um, I, I just, I didn't, I still to this day don't like his winning hand and how he slow rolled that guy. I, uh, 20 miles. I, to this day that has left a bitter taste in my mouth. I think it's yeah. actually left a bitter taste in, in most people's mouths that he slow rolled him. Uh, yeah. And that, that's a dirty poker move that should not be. No, especially for the main event. The tour. Yeah. The main event, the final hand. I mean, you know me, it's if that dirty. was me. You flip there, it up right away. There, yeah. I, if I was him and I had the winning hand and he calls, I'm, I'm flipping right away. And if I was Tony Miles, I, I think a chair would have been thrown. Um, right, there, right fully. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah I, there would have been words. There would have been words yeah. at the very least. Um, all right. Next one. Ryan Reese uh, mm-hmm. versus Talal Shakurshi. Who do you have? I mean... Uh... This one, it's got to go to Reese, in my opinion. I, I think he's more experienced heads up and at his prime, what he made a, a final one year or the semifinal a couple of times. I think he's had a couple of caches in the heads up at uh, yeah. World Series. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I know he has probably two caches, I think, in heads up at least. And yeah. I think one was either the semifinals, if not more than one in the semifinals. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think he's made it at least to the round of eight. I, I, I don't yeah. – he's never been a finalist as far as I know. I don't oh, think okay. he's ever made it to the finals. But I, I do believe he's made it to at least the round of 16 or the round of eight. Talal Shakurshi, for those of you that don't know, is um, well-known on the high stakes. Um, kind of that amateurish slash pro. He does have money from outside of poker, but does play um, these ultra-high rollers. Um, again, yeah, I would have to side with you there, too. I mean, Ryan Reese is, plays an entire plays wide range games, plays the entire WSOP schedule, grinds it out, main event winner, and runs like a god. Yeah, and he could change his strategy just like a, a flip of a switch, I mean. Yeah, and he's, a, and he's ultimately a fairly likable guy. Like, I've, yeah. got, nothing, I've got nothing really against Ryan Reese. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a tough matchup. I, I, the reason why I think it's a tough matchup is because I don't know how far either of them really, well, yeah, I don't know that they would either, that they make it very far. So it's just like they get past each other here, but I don't know how much further they really continue. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I'll go with Reese as well. Um, Greg Mueller versus Brian Rast. Another great matchup, in my opinion, on this yeah. one. A little more tight. I, I give a slight edge to Brian Rasp in this one. I, I think he does play a little better heads up and in his prime. I, I think, think Brian, when Brian Rast is on, he's one of the best players. I've been yeah. watching, I, I've seen, uh, I've been, as I was saying the other day on the podcast, a lot of Poker Go stuff, including I was watching the 2018 when it was Brian Rast's last bracelet when he won the 10K deuce to seven single draw. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you've seen that final table or not. You should watch it. Um, a, lots to say about Dario San Martino and his ability to implode. Um, and Dario's one of those players that could benefit from like a me in his corner to just kind of keep him focused, keep his head in the game. Um, mm-hmm. At one point in this final, at the final table there to digress, he had more chips than everybody else combined. Yeah with like four or five players left and then imploded. And, but Brian Rass put on a fucking clinic um, on route to that bracelet. I think Brian Rass, super high roller bowl winner. Um, The only other player other than Michael Mizraki to win uh, multiple um, poker player championships. I got to give it to Brian Rast on that one as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and it's funny there. I don't know that it's a it's a close matchup in terms of if you ran it a hundred times, there's like a 60, 70, there's like a, there's a split there. I think every match ends up being close, but I think mm-hmm. there's not too many times Rast would lose it to Mueller. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that's the difference. It, it's it'd, like, be, it'd be a grind in each matchup. Yes. But... It would be like in, in like hockey, you know, sometimes you see sweeps, but all the four games were close. Yeah. Like two to one, three well, to LA one. and Vegas, um, Vegas's yeah. first year. Every yeah. game was a one-goal game. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, here's a good one. Jason Mercier, Todd Brunson. Yeah, I mean, if you count both these players at their primes, I give the slight edge to Brunson. Whoa! Yeah, I... You know I, what? I, I, I think he's got a little more experience with some higher uh, experienced players, and that's what gives me the impression of a slight lean to Todd Brunson. I would say in probably, yeah, in one of the first kind of upsets. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, Jason Mercier, five-time bracelet winner, um, including, I think it was in 2016, 2017, two ma- he had two bracelets and a runner-up, um, mm-hmm. as well as like five final tables, um, player of the year. So yeah, it was whatever he, the last time when Jason Mercer won his Player of the Year, it was like an unreal summer. Um, but yeah, I I would actually agree with you as well. I think heads up, Todd Brunson um, playing the highest stakes um, cash games there are out there for the longest time. Doyle's son, um, right there. There's a wealth of knowledge. I'd have to go with um, Todd. Todd as well. Yeah. Um, next one, a battle of main event winners. Uh, yeah. We've got Kui Win, uh, the 17 main event champion versus, no, sorry, 16, 16 main event champion. Um, because 19 Ensign, 18 Sin, 17 Blumstein. Yes, yeah, so the yeah. 2016 
um, main event champion versus the 2015 main event champion. Um, I think McKeon is one of the best closers when given the chance. I'm, I'm very impressed with Joe McKeon. Yeah. Very and, impressed. And no, no disrespect to uh, Quee in this matchup, but McKeon can get the job done. He can apply a lot of pressure. Yeah. He can probably sniff a lot of Quee's bluffs and uh, mm-hmm. aggressive uh, st- strategies yeah. and overcome them. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. I think, I think, I think there was some. Th- I think Quee Win benefited a little bit in his main event run. Like Joe McKeon, when he won the 2015 main event, ran over that final table. Yeah, and actually, from about two, the final two tables was pretty much in control the whole way. Yeah. Um, it was one of the most dominating finishes I've seen uh, to a main event. The, the only thing that will have really slowed him down was a sick cooler beat or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But even then, he was the one coolering everybody else. It was exactly yeah. It was it was cerebral. He's now a three-time bracelet winner. Um, I, I would say, actually, of all the recent main event winners, he might be one of the best players um, on the circuit. So yeah, Joe McKeon, um, I think, takes out uh, Quee Win. Ooh, and next one we've got a good one here. Exactly. Um, this is a good one. Um, and I do have a personal bias. I don't want to get into that on the podcast. Um, and, and the person I, I, I do have the issues with would probably know it. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we do have uh, Scott Seaver versus Alex Foxen. Who do you have? I, have? I know who I have, and it might shock you, but who do you pick? And this one is very close in my opinion. I mean – Heads up, battle of the death. I give a slight edge to Alex Foxen. Really? See, I'm yeah. actually I'm gonna give a pretty I, I had a feeling when you were talking about your on Seaver. I'm actually gonna have to go against you here and I'm gonna actually pick Scott Seaver. I think the guy runs like a god. Um I think that's that's one of the issues that's one of the issues people have when they play against Scott Seaver. Mm-hmm. Is he just runs so pure. He gets there. Um he's he also pardon me he knows it's coming i mean lest we forget forgetting the wsop rankings the global poker index um he was the i think he might hold the record as the longest standing number one ranked uh, tournament player in the world um i'm not sure about that but i know he was ranked number one for a very long time Mm -hmm. um hell of a player plays those nosebleed games at the bellagio um and here's a fun fact too um, up until this year, of course, now that's moved online. Uh, but going into this year, and I mean, had there been live, I think he would have done it. Braceleted last two years, 18 and 19, did win two 10K bracelets. One, he won the Limit Hold'em in 18 and um, Raz in 19. Yeah, and he, he is very versatile in his games. And I mean, he, he can implement some of those strategies in the – uh, hold them for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I have to. I hate to go against you here, but I think Scott Seaver ends up being too much for Alex Fox, and and I have to give uh, I have to give Seaver the win. Um, yeah. But uh, and that's all I'm going to say on that. I, I mean, it's a very close match. It is. I mean, it is. hundred times. It's probably about fifty-five opinion, forty-five. I, it could yeah, be fifty-five forty-five. I had a in about fifty-two. Yeah, I, I but, think it's 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 one of those things there where that's one where they would go back and forth winning. Um, yeah. All right. And, Bill and per- probably a lot of, and probably a lot of quick matches. Yes. Yeah. They, those, those are the kind of matches that could be over in one hand. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and typically when that happens, Seaver usually ends up on the winning end of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I, I think he's just a fearless guy when he plays, he's not afraid to get his chips in. He's not afraid to lose. He know he, he has the confidence. Um, now is a three or four time bracelet winner. Um, Seaver has that confidence. Um, all right. Anyway, moving on, we got Bill Perkins, uh, versus Patrick Antonius. Yeah, and this one, I think it's pretty simple. I'm going to take Patrick Antonius. Yeah, I think I, I think um, Antonius uh, takes this uh, easily. We don't even need to discuss that. Um, oh, another one, main event winners. Uh, Martin Jacobson, Joe Cata. Mm-hmm. Who do you got? Uh, another Michigan guy in Joe Cata, but however, I would give a slight edge to uh, Martin Jacobson. I mean, Cata, in my opinion, heads up is not the best player. Yeah, and I think Jacobson's a little better. Cata yeah. does very well in larger fields mm-hmm. and can make the deeper runs. Struggles I, a little to close it out, but he is a very good player. I, I would agree as well. I think in, in what would be probably perceived as another upset just because Cata has four bracelets now yeah. um, versus Jacobson's one. Uh, but I think Jacobson does beat Cata heads up and uh, you're right there. Uh, next one, we've got Robert Mizraki uh, versus Sean Shiki Shekhan. Who do you have there? I mean, Shekhan's very sneaky, but however, I think Robert would take him heads up. I think so too. I think, uh, I think Robert would uh, take that as well. I think Shekhan would be good for TV because he'll blow up and he'll, and he'll abuse players and all of that. And, and I'm not saying that's right, but that's it, his personality. It, it would have been interesting if, if him and uh, Mattisau played against each other. Oh, that would have been good. We should have tried to rig the bracket so that, that <laughs> happened. Um, but, yeah, I think Shiki – and it's funny because Sean Shikhan typically now only plays um, the PPC and the draw games. Um, yeah. When he shows up to the WSOP, and 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 you're not going to see Shaykhan, um play um, buy-ins of less than 10k anymore. Um, uh, I mean, I don't blame him just because he, he probably doesn't want to deal with the the no. time, the bu- bullshit, and all that. No, exactly. Um, and I think, but for those of you like Shaykhan's been playing at the highest stakes for the longest time, um, but I think Mizraki takes that one. All right, Elton Sang versus Sean Deeb. Elton Sang has two WSOP caches, ironically enough. One, which is funny. One is a first place for which I don't believe he was awarded a bracelet. Um, I think it was like a special event or something being held by the WSOP. Um, like a charity event or something like something. that. Something. It was a million-dollar buy-in event. I'm not sure about it, but I don't know if he was awarded a bracelet or not um because it was a one drop thing and you know wsop probably some kind of cross promotion thing um but he only actually when i looked up his bio on the wsop has two caches um sean deeb right now might be the best live tournament player in the wsop i think deeb moves on relatively easily there yeah same here in my opinion i mean sean's been running hot as of late and he can close the deal pretty quick too yeah uh steven chidwick lane flack I mean, th- this one's probably another easy one, in my opinion. Ch- Chidwick advances. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's funny that they seeded him at number five. That actually mm-hmm. isn't that inaccurate of a random uh, draw there. Chidwick would, I think, in all honesty, be ranked quite – would be seated quite high. Right around there, yeah. You know. Um, next one, uh, Esfandiari versus John Monet. 
Yeah, I mean, no, no disrespect to Monet in this one. It, it just, it's hard to beat Antonio, especially heads up. I mean, it is. I think he has. He's, a, he's very well skilled in heads up matches and can learn from his mistakes relatively quick. Yeah, I think you capped it. This one might even be like a 80-20 split. Oh, yeah. I think, I think uh, and no, again, no disrespect to John Monet, but Antonio Esfandiari's heads up and everything resume speaks for itself, um, including, so when we were talking about what we suspected was Ryan Reese's heads up resume, that basically is Antonio's. He usually cashes when he plays the WSOP 10K heads up. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he has at least a couple of semifinals. Usually he's quarterfinaling it. Um, he, he knows how to rise to the occasion, a hell of a player, um, and a great personality too. Um, I've, I haven't heard anybody really have anything bad to say about Esfandiar as a person or as a player. I have to move on. And at one time, I truly feel at one time he might've been the best, um, tournament, no limit Hold'em player on the planet. So, um, I, I, I give Esfandiar the win there. Um, moving on Johnny Chan, David Williams. I think this is a pretty, uh, as much as I like David Williams, I think Johnny Chan uh, gets the job done here. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, it's not as much as a blowout as the previous match, but jo- Johnny advances. Well, I think the interesting thing here too becomes with Johnny Chan, you have a situation there where it's like it would be a sweep, but close sweeps, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like Johnny Chan would get through, um, but Williams will make him work for it, but Johnny Chan's mm-hmm. Johnny Chan. Exactly. Um, and at his best, he was, I mean, the best. Uh, Daniel Negreanu, Vanessa Russo, I think that one's pretty uh, – I think Dean Eggs takes that one. Yeah, in my opinion, it might be a little closer than you think, but I, I think Niggs' uh, expertise yeah. is a little better heads up. Yeah, all right. I think we should probably start moving through some of these quicker maybe for the yeah. first round. All right, Volpe, Volgesang, who do we have? I, I would take Volpe in this one. All right, I do too. All right, we've got um, oh, Badziakowski versus Izke. Actually, that's an easy one. Uh, Nikita yeah. takes that one. Um, who do we? Ha- oh, Tony G. Greg Merson. Yeah, um, this one I, I would give a slight lean to uh, Tony G. Yeah, I think Tony G. takes that one as well. Uh, Tony G is somebody who heads up, especially I could see him getting far. Um, I don't know how this bracket's going to play out. Actually, I think he would get past his next round as well. Um, Ellie Eliahu Alezra versus Ben Lamb. I would have to go with Ellie in this one. Yeah, I think Ellie takes it too. Um, I, I think Ellie Alezra gets that. Um, what's the next one here? Ooh. Deep, uh, uh, Fred, Fred Deeb Fred, and uh, I, I, I know who I pick Seidel I, I have to go I have to give my boy Eric Seidel the win there and I think I think I think he beats Freddie I, I think so too but I don't think he goes far in this uh, who would he have in his uh, well actually he might have a decent run here let's see how this plays out actually yeah. um, that's the beauty of these brackets right is the bracket kind of dictates how far people could get yeah. Maria Ho, Scott Blumstein. I think Maria Ho gets it, but I don't see either of them getting very far. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this might be the end of the road for them. Maria Ho's a very good uh... announcer. and Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Blumstein's there because he won a main event. Um, Maria yeah. Ho is there because of her poker resume. Um, and I think she moves on here. Um, next one, I think, I love Joe Hatcham. 
but Men the Master takes this one. Oh, easily, yeah, in my opinion, no contest. Uh, Men the Master gets that one. Uh, ooh. Uh, oh, this one's actually easy too. I think ODB takes the next one. So oh yeah, yeah. Got, oh, it might be even more whitewashed than the last one. This one, I, and it's funny. I think this is like again, this isn't a close sweep. I think I think the ODB just be too much for moneymaker. Eight to three, seven to two. <laughs> yeah, it just it would be a slaughtering. Um, Th- ODB three team. to two overtime victory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and then he, a six to one final win. Yeah, exactly. He'd have the one match. We'd be like, "What the fuck?" All right, come back here, little boy. Um, Ike Hansen versus Phil Locke. This is an interesting one. It is. I mean. <laughs> Hanson does play pretty good heads up, but Phil Locke, I think, is much better in this situation. All right. I think Locke, too. All right. Who else do we got? Okay, here we go. Yeah. Finally, our my boy Stewie Unger makes an appearance. Um, ooh, that's a tough first round, actually. I, I was thinking the same, yeah. Holy shit. There actually could be a potential for an upset. I I do think Stewie gets it done, though. I do think... Yeah, I think I think Benjamin could give him some trouble, but I think Stu Unger, Stu Unger, exactly. And in this one, Stu would probably win about 65 percent of the time. Yeah, I think Stu takes that one. Uh, Wasika Duhamel, uh, give me John Duhamel. Okay, I will. I will take that one. I will give you the upset there. Um, I think. I think heads up. I think Wasika has the better resume. But I think uh, Jonathan Duhamel f- could find a way to do it as well. I could see that one. Mm-hmm. Um, next one I think is pretty um, straightforward. I think Dominic Nietzsche, uh, probably one of the quietest under-the-radar multi-bracelet winners, either at four or five bracelets. Um, Paul Pua, I think Nietzsche wins that. Yeah, I would give a not, – not even a lean, just a yeah. yeah. I think Nietzsche takes that one. Um, here's your boy. Oh, your boy's got a tough one. Nick Shulman, Doyle Brunson. And uh, I, I would give it to Shulman. For sure. <laughs> I mean, Doyle, he has played with the best of the best, but he does get caught in some pretty bad spots and yeah. it's hard for Doyle to overcome. I think, well, and I think too, Nick Shulman could get creative with Doyle mm-hmm. and that's where I think he could eventually, uh, take out Doyle. Um, Oh, this is a good one. Um, both uh, the late Gavin Smith versus the late great Johnny Moss. Who do you got? I give a slight edge on this one to Galvin Smith. Ooh, another upset. All right, let's go with yeah. this. I like it. I think so too. I think a drunk Gavin Smith uh, <laughs> could give uh, Johnny Moss some trouble. And unlike unlike uh, Scotty, where we don't know what which one's going to show up. I would have been pretty willing to bet which Gavin Smith shows up. So, uh, I Especially think that, early on, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Bobby Baldwin versus Eric Lindgren. Who do you got there? This is another good matchup. This one might be an under-the-radar kind of mm-hmm. quiet one, but I, I would give a slight edge to Bobby Baldwin. Okay. I'll give you that one, too. Yeah, against Eric Lindgren, yeah, I could see it. Um, again, Lindgren being one of those very controversial names – Mm-hmm. Um, in the poker community as well. But I've got to say in my interactions with him, and I have played at the same time, actually I've, I've sat beside him in events, 
nice enough guy. He was nice enough. Now maybe he has to be nice because of some of the stuff off. Perhaps, um, but. Um, but nonetheless, I give him this. Here's a good one. Um, two um, incredible mixed game players. Um, Adam Friedman, who I have, who I, when we were talking last summer, I said actually has pulled off an incredible feat. Um, for those of you at home that don't know, Adam Friedman defended a bracelet. Um, he won the 2018 10K Dealer's Choice and followed that up with the 2019 10K Dealer's Choice, which I believe could be one of the hardest events um, up there with the Poker Players Championship because somebody else gets to pick. So somebody could kind of try to fuck you a bit and say like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick your worst games. Even with people doing that, he's, he repeated. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he, he's very good in those mixed variety of games and all that. But Phil Ivey wasn't in either of those fields. I should point that out. Exactly, um, but <laughs> it wasn't heads up either, except for yeah. the final hands of each. Yeah. So, um, do you know who he beat in twenty nineteen? Heads up, by the way, for the that bracelet. No, I don't. Sean Deeb. Was it Deeb? It was Sean Deeb. Sean oh, wow. Deeb. So, I mean, Sean and Deeb's he, got some poker been, chops. Yeah, and he's been running pretty hot. Yeah, but I think Ivy takes that. No limit hold'em, heads up. I think Ivy takes it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably uh, about the 70-30 range. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and actually, I would almost go as far as to say I think Ivy almost gets a buy into the next, uh, through the next round as well. I don't think Bobby Baldwin has much of a chance against Ivy there either. Agreed. Dario San Martino, Super Dario, Benny Glazer. I think Dario moves on. Pretty easily, too. Yeah. I think so. Benny would get an invite um, to an event like this, but again, I don't know how many matchups he wins in that first round, um, especially in Hold'em. It'd be tough. I mean, yeah. Adrian Mateos versus the highly touted. um, I don't know how I feel about Aliyam Shirovich yet, um, but I would have to go with, uh, I think Mateos takes this one. Three-time bracelet winner, 10K heads up. I, I'd have to go with Mateos here. Yeah, he, he's got a lot more experience heads up for sure in this one and can yeah, p- pick it pretty clean. And I, and I also don't appreciate Imshirovich making a final table at the WSLP and not showing up. I don't appreciate that. I think there are players that would kill to make a final table. Um, and I mean that, I mean that figuratively people, um, but uh, we live in tense times right now, but uh, there are people that would give anything to make a WSOP final table for him to do it um, and take it for granted and not show up and just get blinded out. I think is just a slap I, in the face. It is. It is. It is. Um, I take it personally myself. I, I, I have no respect for that. Hmm. Um, I don't care if you show up having not slept. I don't care if you show up drunk. I don't care whatever. Just fucking show up. Exactly, yeah. Um, uh, okay, JRB versus Billy Baxter. I think Billy takes this one. I was thinking the same. I mean, no, no disrespect to Blonde, but... I think I, Blonde would get an invite because of this quasi-celebrity poker yeah. status, but Baxter takes that one. H- heads up, Blonde kind of struggles. Somebody said, I think it was Sam Trickett that said it. Or somebody was saying this about JRB. JRB has probably had the most successful per- poker career for not being exceptionally like great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a disrespect thing, but I mean, he's hung in there with the best of the best. So you got to give him his credit, but yeah, Billy Baxter takes that. Reiner Kempe, P.S. Hines. I think Kempe takes that one. 
Oh, I think you, I think uh, we are experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties here. I think we uh, do have a pause. Um, so uh, while we wait for uh, Token to re, are you there? Hello? I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, bud. Um, okay. Uh, we have Reiner Kempe, P.S. Hines. I think Reiner takes that one pretty easily. Ooh, I, I, I go the other way, but really closer. So yeah. All right. Let's go with an upset. I'm always game for an upset. Pius Hines. I mean, Kempe does have a bit of a thing where he hasn't quite closed the deal ever at the WSOP. Um, he's won a super high roller bowl, but, mm-hmm. um, Elio Fox, Dan Smith. Yeah. Uh, this one, I would take, uh, Elio Fox for sure. And again, what I mean, Elio Fox is a multi-time bracelet winner. Uh, Dan Smith gets a lot of, I think he gets a push from his friends in the community. Mm-hmm. And it's like they like feel bad. They want him to be part of the bracelet club, right? And I don't need, a, I don't need these guys telling me who the best players. I know enough about poker. I watch enough poker. I can tell you who the best ones without bracelets are. I don't need someone telling me necessarily. And I've got nothing against Dan Smith. Nothing against him. Um, but it can be polarizing how other people um, tout him. I do think Elio gets past him. Um, in this next one, I think Elkie gets past Greg Raymer um, quite easily. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, pretty easily as well. Um, so there's another Jeffrey Lissandro, Chip, Chip Reese. Reese. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you have? It's a one? good one, but however, I think Chip moves on pretty I think, easily. I think Chip's one of the favorites. Uh, Chip Reese. Yeah, I think Chip Reese is one of the favorites there. Yeah. Um, ooh, Sammy Farha versus Jungleman Cates. I think Dan Cates takes. I think he's just a better heads-up player. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Sammy does – pretty good in like shootout situations where he can gain an edge yeah. over like a whole table and kind of grind through it. But just mano y mano, it's hard for him to uh, get past. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think jungle man, I mean, for a long time, there was one of the best heads up players in the world. Um, I think it just, I think that was easy. I think the next two, I'm going to just, I, I think we can, I think Nick Petrangelo beats Joseph Chong. And I think, of course, Scotty Wynn beats Jerry Yang. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, and then we got Scotty Wynn. I have to write down full Scotty there, otherwise, because they'll get confused with Men the Mask there later. Um, all right, Frank Casella, yeah, Carlos Mortensen. And this one, I mean, Casella is a very well uh, rounded player, but I think Mortensen does take this one. I would say so as well. I think Carlos Mortensen, former main event winner, um, Frank Casella is openly admits Hold'em is his, is his worst game, and that's where I think Mortensen would take him. Um, Ted Forrest, Hossein Ensign. Ensign, the defending main event champion, would, of course, get an invite. Um, Ted Forrest, six-time bracelet mm-hmm. winner. Um, I just I, – I, I think Ted Forrest would be a little too much for Hossein Ensign. Yeah, and this one is very close in my opinion, but slight edge to Ted. 
Yeah. Um, ooh. Uh, Jennifer Hardman versus Phil Galfond. Who do we got there? Ooh, and this one's a very close one. I give a slight edge to Harmon. Yay! There we go. There we go. Jen Harmon moving on past Phil Galfond. I think so too. If it was PLO, Galfond probably wins the whole tournament. Um, but in No Limit Hold'em, I got to give it to yeah. uh, my girl Jennifer Harmon there. Um, defending yeah. Poker Players Champion, Philip Huey versus David Peters. Who would you go with? I, I think Huey moves on. I think so, too. I will go with Huey as well. All right. Whew, we are slowly but surely getting through this. All right. Probably, I would. I, I think one of your favorite players, I could be wrong, Ben Yu versus uh, Timothy mm-hmm. Adams. I think I know who you're picking here, and I think it's the right choice. I, mean, I think Ben Yu takes Oh, that. yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, pretty easily. And uh, Ben Yu is actually a pretty good heads-up player. I mean, he – plays the heads up championship runner up last year last year yep Ooh, another tough one coming up though barry greenstein john hennigan tough one i think a lot they would have a lot of close matches i think hennigan takes it though yes i agree with you on this one i mean hennigan might be a little better heads up in my opinion overall and especially in this prime yeah i think that that one uh, oh, we're almost out of the first round. Uh, yep. I think Bousquet beats Darwin Moon. Yeah, this one might be a little closer, but Moon just can't prevail in some situations, and yeah. Oliver will uh, advance in this one. Um, I had to for sentiment. Well, I think sure her resume gets her in here. Um, I think she is in the Hall of Fame. Um, but Dan Coleman versus Kathy Liebert. I think we could see an upset here, but Dan Coleman can play. That's what, that's why it's tough. I think Kathy could get it done potentially. Um, but it, th- I think it's, this is a tough one. I'll let you pick the winner here. You there? All right. I think uh, we might have another freeze. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll leave this one blank for now. In uh, our last uh, portion of the bracket, uh, we got Justin Bonomo, Evgeny Tymoshenko, um, and we've got Vanessa Selbst, Huxseed. Uh, again, technical issues. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and pick Bonomo. And uh, I think, of course, Huxseed uh, takes that one as I wait. Oh. Yeah, we uh, are going to have to wait for uh, Token Tony to reconnect here. Um, I think Dan Coleman would beat Kathy Liebert. Um, For those of you that don't know, Kathy Liebert um, is a one-time bracelet winner. I believe she's in the Poker Hall of Fame. Uh, Long-time regarded as the best female player um, in the game. Uh, And... I mean, it speaks for itself here, uh, but uh, oopsies, I am uh, kind of doing this here. Uh, what was I going to say? Yes. So uh, yeah, we would have, uh, I think Dan Coleman would beat um, yeah, I think I would, I would imagine, yeah, you would have a situation here where uh Kathy Liebert um, 
would uh, would not be able. To... So I'm just getting a text here for those of you listening. Uh, oh yeah, we got him. Uh, we got token coming back here. All right. I don't know why my video is uh, messed up. Sorry for all of you listening at home. We will uh, try to fix this uh, later on. Ah, oh, there we go. All right. There we go. Okay, we're back. Uh, what do we have here? What are these options? Okay. Um, all right. Sorry. So we had the last two rounds there. Um, I, 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 I went ahead. I think Dan Coleman takes out uh, Kathy Liebert. Um, and then the bottom half of the bracket or bottom portion of the bracket, we have Fair Je- enough, yeah. We have Justin just- Bonimo versus Evgeny Timoshenko. Um, I think, I, I think when mm-hmm. Bonimo gets go- when Bonimo's at his best, he's almost unbeatable. Um, so I think Bonimo Agreed. takes I think Bonimo takes out Timoshenko. Um, I know, I, I know how you might feel about some, one of the these opponents coming up, but I think um, I think Huckleberry Seed handedly gets past Vanessa Selps. I think, and and not to take away anything from Vanessa Selps, at the time to- at times she can just be her own enemy at the felt, and that's where I think uh, Huck takes it. Um, but we yeah. have. Our f- Go ahead. And that's what gets her in trouble for sure. Is one hundred percent. All right, so we have our first round done. All right, let's try to get through the second round here. Uh, I'm gonna go back up here. All right, so we have Cloutier versus Mormon. Who do you go with? Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think wins um, this? I would give a. I, I would say Cloutier. Yeah. Wow. Over more. Okay. I like this one. Yeah. Um. Polk, I think, takes out um, Gabe Kaplan. Agreed. I mean, Polk is def- definitely a very good heads up, and when he's running hot, too, on top of it, he's yeah. definitely tough to beat. Fedor Holes versus Tom Dwan. This could be an interesting one because you didn't. You you yeah. said you had had um, what's his name uh, Grinder versus. Um, just trying to get. I don't know why my video is not showing up, but oh well. Um, we have. Um, yeah, you didn't have Dwan game pass grinder. I did, but you know, let's just go with Dwan versus Holtz. Who do you think takes this one? Mm-hmm. I'd have to. I, I I think I think Dwan takes Holtz. I don't know, but ooh, I, I would go Holtz and Holtz in this one. Okay, Holtz takes out Tom Dwan. Mike the Mouth versus Brian Hastings. I think this is the end of the road for the mouth and Hastings is able to prevail even with the chirping in his ear. Mm-hmm. Schindler versus Blum. Um, this one's a very good one, very close. And Schindler will very barely advance. Okay. I could give you that one. Ooh, Annie Duke, Amarillo Slim. Uh, slim all day, every day on this one. I think Ferguson takes out Callis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ferguson's definitely one of the better heads-up players. And if it was horse heads-up, he'd probably destroy the whole field. That's true, yeah. Uh, especially when you start getting to those three consecutive stud game rounds. Um, yeah. Trickett Reese. 
Who do you have there? Um, slight edge to Reese in this okay, one. Okay, I'll give you a Reese on that one. Rast versus Todd Brenson. Ooh, that that's a good one. Uh, slight edge to Todd, I think. Ooh, so Todd Brenson with arguably back-to-back uh, uh, upsets. McKeon versus Seaver. That's a good second-round matchup. It, it is, and I would go with McKeon in that one. Oof, okay. I like that. McKeon with the win. Uh, I think Antonius could, would beat Jacobson in the next round. Pretty handily. I think Patrick takes that one. Um, Robert Mizraki versus Sean Deeb. Ooh, that, that's, that's one I would actually pay to watch, I think. Yes. Because uh, they're both mixed game players. Yeah. Both, I think, now with four bracelets. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a bit of a coin flip. I would go with Deeb in that one. I think, I think Sean could get it done. Um, I don't think, I think, Ooh, in another interesting one, um, I actually think Antonio gets it done over Steven Shidwick just based on experience. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have Johnny Chan versus Daniel Negreanu. I like Johnny in that matchup. I, I do mean, too. No, no disrespect to uh, D Niggs, but I think Johnny is the better heads up player and I, 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 can get around D Nig's yeah, philosophy I, and readability and everything. I agree. I think, um, and I think Johnny Chan heads up is just a better heads up player than uh, Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, we've got sure. uh, Volpe Badziakowski. I would take Volpe in that one. Paul Volpe is a great player. Um, Tony G, Elia Lezra. I think Tony G moves on. This one might be a little closer than. Probably you give them credit for, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I 100%. I think Elia Lesro, especially over the last few years, has flown under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. I think even in their primes, um, Elia Lesra was flying under the radar. And, and you could make an argument that Elia Lesra might be in the pr- his prime now. He's winning bracelets now. He, you know. Yeah. So I, what, but I do wasn't think- it last year or two years ago that he had a decent amount of deep runs and all that? Back to back years with bracelets in. Yeah. Um, 18, he won an Omaha high-low bracelet. And then last year, he won a stud bracelet. Yeah. Um, Seidel, I think, beats Maria Ho. Yeah, pretty handily. Yeah. Men the Master versus ODB, I think Men uh, takes that one. Agreed. Um, ooh, I have to go with Stu Unger beating Phil Locke. I think, I think Phil Locke's Cinderella story ends there. Yeah. Um, ooh. I think Dominic Nietzsche takes out uh, Jonathan Duhamel, though. Ooh, that, that's a very good, interesting matchup. I would take Duhamel, but it's very close, and pick who you want on that one. I think, I, for me, I just I feel like uh, Nietzsche is very cerebral. Very cerebral, and I think he'll give... Um, I, I just I think he would give Duhamel a lot of trouble, and put Duhamel in a lot, a lot of spot, um, tough spots. Um, but yeah, I think I know who you're going to pick for the next one. I think Nick Shulman does get past Gavin Smith. This one's a very close one. I mean, Shulman does have a lot of experience heads up and can beat the best of the best. And yeah, 
pretty easily advances in this one. Yeah, especially if there's open bar nearby, I think uh, Shulman would take that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think we, we. I already had Ivy moving on. Fair I think, enough. Yeah, I think Mateos takes out Super Dario. That one's a very interesting matchup, but yeah, as uh, Mateos definitely a better uh, heads up player. P.S. Hines, Billy Baxter. Ooh, that's a good one. I would give a slight edge to Hines. Ooh, we have P.S. Hines onto the third round. Uh, Ilio versus Elki. Elki. All right. Um, Chip Reese, Jungle Man Cates. Uh, give me the Jungle Man in that one. Ooh, so Jungle Man there with a uh, upset. All right. Nick Petrangelo, Scotty Wynn. That one's another one I would pay to see. and I think Scotty Baby gets it done. He does. I mean... But I would, I would want to see it, those two duke it out, though. I, it, I think. It's, it's night, night, night time for one of them, and it's not Scotty this time. Yeah. Yeah. You call, and it's all over, baby. Uh, we've got um, Carlos Mortensen, Ted Forrest. Uh, Mortensen in that one. I agree. Uh, Harmon versus Huey, I think. For me personally, I think Huey's Cinderella end, uh, story comes to an end there. I think Harmon's experience in these type of events, playing high stakes, I think she would just find a way to get past Philip Huey. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Jen Harmon, 100 times in that matchup, will probably win about 65. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and look at the – ooh, got three good ones here. Uh, ben Yu, Johnny World Hennigan. That one's a very interesting one. I'd pay to see this one. This would be a pay-per-view yeah. qual- in my opinion. Yeah, it's like a, a rumble in the jungle in this yeah, one. Yeah, that's a tough uh, one. I, I give a slight edge to Ben Yu. Okay. Uh, Olivier Bousquet, Dan Coleman. Ooh, that's another good one. Uh, slight edge to Coleman, I think, though. All right, Coleman moving on. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Dan Coleman famously won the uh, second ever million dollar big one for one drop and um, kind of said, yeah, I've won this. And then when they wanted him to do more promotional stuff and whatever and be like an ambassador for the game and stuff, he was like, I, no, I did not sign up for that. I signed up to play poker. I won. And that, I, like, no, you can't, that, you know, there's no forcing me to do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, take my picture and that's about it. <laughs> yep. See ya. And then I think he like pretty much disappeared. Like he made himself unavailable. Like he was like, no, yeah. um, this one is an interesting one because I think this, I think might be the best matchup of the second round. Uh, Justin Bonomo versus Huckleberry seed. These are those matchups that's unfortunate. They happen so early, but it kind of alleviates things for the rest of the field drastically. Exactly. That they have to run into each other. Um, who do you have? Uh, this one, I would give a slight edge to Bonomo. Yeah, I think, I think especially the fact that it's no limit hold. I mean, Huck's no slouch in hold him. Uh, he is a main event winner, but <clears throat> Justin Bonomo is kind of a, a no limit hold him specialist. Um, and he, he's pretty decent heads up too. I, yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I just, yeah, I think, I think Bonomo takes out seed, which I mean, makes the field that much easier for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Wow, already down to the round of 32. <clears throat> I think Cloutier's run comes to an end here. I think Polk takes him out. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go around Polk in that one. 
All right. So uh, TJ Kluche is out. Uh, Fedor Holes versus uh, Brian Hastings. Ooh, I like uh, Fader in that one. Hmm. Fader has made it a little farther than I would have initially thought, but I, uh, I can get behind this. Um, Jake Schindler, Amarillo Slim. Ooh, uh, I, I think I would take Slim. All right. Yeah, um, I mean, six out of 10 times, 60 out of 100, something around there. All right. Ooh, another good one. Uh, uh, Chris Ferguson, Jesus versus uh, Ryan Reese. I think Ferguson takes this. I think Reese. Is... I, I agree. I mean, I I think this is the end of line for Ryan, and um, unfortunately for another Michigan boy. But yeah, yeah. I think uh, this next one's an interesting one that we find these two in the th- round of thirty-two. Todd Brunson versus Joe McKeon. This one's a close one, but however, I think McKeon gets the job done. You think Todd's run comes to an end? Yes. Yeah, I, I. That's the thing. I don't know how, like, just what he has in the in the gas tank here, and that's where I think Todd would run into some trouble. And I think McKeon would start to get some momentum going, which makes him increasingly dangerous. Um, so yeah, I would go with him over Todd Brunson. Uh, oh, Patrick Antonius versus Sean Deeb. I think. We could potentially see an upset. I don't know if it's really an upset. I think Patrick Antonius, though, beats him. Yeah, I mean, this one's almost a coin flip. And, I mean, Deeps, when he's running hot, he's definitely one of the better players. But mm-hmm. he's not always going to run hot. And it's going to be think, for him. Yeah, and I think Antonius has just been around for so long, playing these high stakes, and, and is such a cerebral player himself. A lot more experience on that side, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Antonius takes out Sean Deeb. Ooh. Antonio Esfandiari versus Johnny Chan. Ooh, that, that is another good one. A l- lot of good matchups moving forward, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But a- Antonio gets the job done. Okay. I, I can get behind that, too. I think, uh, I think the, it would come to an end for Johnny Chan there as well. Uh, oh. This is a good one. Paul Volpe versus Tony G. Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Uh, who do you like in that one, Sonny? I have to give it to my boy, Tony G. Okay. I, 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 I could roll with that. I, 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 that, to me, is a tough one, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Volpe's a very good player. Um, I've heard people even say things like, Paul Volpe could be the next player to get to 10 bracelets. Um I wouldn't disagree with that, but it's tough heads up. And I think, I think Tony G could put some pressure on Volpe and just, I think it could be a situation where Volpe won't play badly, but I think Tony G could just get ahead and close out. Yeah. And just play slightly better to gain that edge and yeah. roll with it. That's where I think we get uh, there. Uh, oh, in a couple of eight time bracelet winners, Eric Seidel versus Men the Master win. Uh, give me Men the Master in this one. I, I I think Men goes on pretty easily in this one. All right. Oh, and then another tough matchup for Stu Unger versus Dominic Nietzsche. Yeah, I I, I, I think Stu gets the job done, but it's definitely his hardest uh, test so far. Just wait until you see who he he might have to play in the next round. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> We've got now. We've got a tough one here. Nick Shulman versus Phil Ivy. I give that to Shulman in this one. I mean, Ivy's definitely more experienced in all the mixed games and very good 
no contest, but I think Shulman's definitely out of his prime, the better player heads up. Yeah, Ivy's had a history of, of imploding when he plays heads up. Um, I mean, his match was the quickest, the what was it, a first-round matchup the year that you played. Yeah, that's right. He was done before even people realized he was even in the event. Yeah. Um, it was like and it wasn't even like it was something. a one hand. I think it was just like every hand he just kept getting slaughtered on it. Yeah, it was and, like four or five hands and it was over. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I'll give you Nick Shulman, too, because Nick Shulman, he has, a, he has that ability to, to hunker down and grind. And I think he would just find a way to strategize past Phil Ivey. Um, Adrian Mateos versus P.S. Hines. I think this is where P.S. Hines's Cinderella run comes to an end. Agreed, yeah. We've got Elkie versus Jungleman. That's a really great one. Uh, I give a slight edge to Elkie. I mean, I, I think his personality might be a little slight edge against the jungle man. He's a nice guy. He's a gem. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I like Elkie. He's a gem. Uh, yeah. Scotty versus Carlos. Uh, Scotty in this one. I mean, I think so too. Yeah. All right. Um, my girl, Jen Harmon versus Ben. You, I think, I think it's all over for Jen Harmon here. Oh, agreed. Yeah. I, I think Ben, you actually wins this one almost in a landslide. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think that match stops being close when it starts. Um, yeah. And I think same kind of not same thing, but I think Bonimo gets past Coleman. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, not not as much as the landslide, but no. still pretty handily. All right, we're down to the round of sixteen. Oh. Now things get interesting. Quarterfinals. Yeah, I think Polk versus Holtz. I think Polk takes it. Yes. We've got, ooh, I think uh, Ferguson might take out Amarillo Slim. I would agree with that. I mean, it's going to be probably the toughest test for, for Ferguson, but he, he will be able to move on pretty handily, I think. Yeah. Here's a good one. Uh, McKeon versus Antonius. Ooh, that, it's definitely the, definitely the biggest test for Antonius, and I think – McKeon moves on. Oh, okay. Espandiari versus Tony G. I think this is where my where it ends for my boy uh, Tony G. I think Espandiari takes him out. Yeah, I think based on his philosophy and able to read, I think Tony G does have. Did a... I get this right? Let me. Sorry, I just want to go through this one more okay. time. Okay, one. Uh, so we. Sh- uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Because Esfandiari, right. yeah, Esfandiari beat Chan, yes, yeah, so that would set up a round of sixteen against Tony G, and yeah, I think uh, Tony G is the one who's out. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, t- Tony G will give him a little test, but a little hmm. too much to overcome. Ooh, thank God I, I, I I'd read it wrong last round, but Men the Master versus Stu Unger is, is that is a fantasy match. Exactly. I mean, if we could only live in a reality where it would actually happen. <sighs> Um, but I think Stewie gets it done. Yeah. I think, I think it's, Stewie it's, can beat men. It's close, but not that close. Yeah. I think Stewie gets it done there. Uh, I think your boy, Nick Shulman gets past, um, uh, Adrian Mateos. Yeah. I mean, that, that's almost a easier matchup than the previous one for Shulman. I agree. I would agree. Uh, 
Ooh, I think this one's actually, I think, I think the road ends for our nice guy, Elkie. I think Scotty takes it. Ooh, that, that's actually one that's very interesting to me. But yeah, I, I think that's night-night for... I think Elkie. it would be a long match, though. I think, I think Scotty would, be a fr- would take it into deeper water. Yeah, and, and I think that's where he would eventually just break Elky. I think I, I don't know. I think the longer the match went on, the more it favored Scotty, and that's where I think. And I think Scotty would know that. And and uh, Scotty has that endurance. Yeah, in him. So yeah, so Scotty takes out Elky, and then oh fuck, man! This this bottom part of the bracket is like is just it's murder. Tough. Oh my god. <laughs> with my luck if i was in this that would be my section of the bracket like i i would have oh, had yeah. this road yeah um, replace you for kathy <laughs> liebert or something <laughs> yeah right um all right ben you justin bonimo i i like ben you but i think at their abs at their best i think it's hard to beat justin bonimo in Holden. yeah i mean it's a very good one. You give it, you run it a hundred times. I think Bonomo comes out on top about 55. Yeah. I think it's very close. And I don't think they really have a, like, I, I think it's just a tough matchup for both of them. Um, <clears throat> I think the difference is I think Bonomo could find a way to get ahead in the match. And if mm-hmm. he were to get ahead on Ben Yu, I don't know that Ben Yu could come back against Bonomo. Yeah, that, that's just kind of how I, I view that match playing out. All right, we're down to the final eight. So in the final eight, we've got Polk. We've got Ferguson. We've got McKeon. We've got Esfandiari. We've got Unger. We've got Shulman. We've got Scotty. And Bonimo. And Bonimo. Are there any surprises, do you think, so far? Not really. I mean, a lot of the surprises were first or second round, in my opinion. So yeah. very close upsets, but some I very think, good matchups. I would agree. I think it's kind of one of those things where it has kind of worked itself out in – um, I think, yeah, I think it, I, for me, the one I think that kind of stands out a little bit or the two that might stand out to some people might be the Joe McKeon one. I think some people might be a little surprised Slightly. that Joe McKeon would make it that far. Um, maybe the Scotty one, maybe Shulman. I think that could be another, but I think these, I think it's funny now that maybe. we I look at, Maybe based on Shulman's run. Resume, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, run on this bracket. It might yes, be that's something. true. He's had a tough he, run. Yeah. He has had a tough run. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it, – it, I think when I look at these final eight, I'm like, I don't see anybody that doesn't deserve to be there. Exactly, yeah. All right. I think Polk would beat Ferguson. It, it's a very close one, but, yeah. Uh, or I could go if you want to. If you think Ferguson could do it, we could go with Ferguson. No, if you're running a hundred times, it's probably right around the fifty-five. But Polk runs like a god and gets the yeah. job done. All right, uh, McKeon Esfandiari. 
Ooh, that that's a very good one, and I give a slight edge to Antonio. Okay. Oh, here it comes. Our picks go against each other here in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Unger versus Shulman. And it might be a little too much for Shulman in this one, and I think I, I think so Unger too. Gets I, the job done. I think there were roads that Shulman could have had that might have gotten him into the finals or a win, but I, again, I think it, you're right. It's it could just be a little too much, and I mean. It's again, as I've said, some people, as they, as they get further and further, that's when they gain momentum. And I think Unger being so close to the end would just become that much harder to beat. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a psychological component to it as well. And I think just you'd find a situation here where Shulman would just be, a, I think Unger would just be in everybody's head. Fuck, Stu's still here. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, he, he's the chip on the shoulder. Yeah. All right, Scotty versus Bonimo. Who do you got? Oh, uh, slight edge to Bonimo, I think, in this one. I, I, I think it's almost a slight upset, but I, I think he can manipulate and play against Scotty to his favor. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I do think Scotty would. Uh, well. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right. I think it. I think it would be a good match, but I think it could be again the same thing. If Bonimo, Bonimo could come back against Scotty. I don't know that Scotty could come back against Bonimo. Mm-hmm. All right, we're down to the final four: Polk versus Esfandiari. Who do you think? I think this is the end of the run for Polk in this one. I, I wow. don't. I don't think he gets it past uh, Esfandiari. Antonio Esfandiari is our first finalist yeah. um, versus Stewie Unger and Justin Bonimo. That's believe another it or, one, I mean. Believe it or not, I could potentially see an upset here. I could too. It's going to be very back and forth. This one's literally almost a coin flip, but I think Unger gets the job you done. You think Stewie gets it done? Yeah, very slightly, like 52 to 48. I think, yeah, I think it would be close. Yeah, I think I could see it either way. So much so, I'm actually going to go ahead and say this. I think no matter which one of those two won, Stu or Justin, they could beat Antonio. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, think that winner is the winner. Yeah, this is like the finals before the finals. Yeah, and I think, I mean, at the end of the day here, I think it, the bracket has worked out that Stu Unger does – Yeah. Um. I think he gets the job done, um, which is which is. I think it's it's amazing though that we have Esfandiari making it to the final. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a bit shocked by it, but he had a pretty easy run in my opinion. Yeah, the only I, I yeah I could. I don't. It, a, a it's couple, an intro. A couple close matchups for him, but yeah, some where he could easily still prevail. I think the I think the one time I think I think Stu Unger's last two matchups, um, him versus uh, Shulman, and him versus um, what would have then been him versus Bonimo would yeah. have been the toughest for him. Exactly. Um, but I think seeing how this bracket worked out, I mean, we could run this simulation a million times and have different endings. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. 
I'm just wondering something here if I just forgot to add him. Guess who, who I didn't have in the field? Who? Someone who I am shocked um, and almost kind of negates everything. Phil Hellmuth. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Um, I'm like, I, I thought something sound, or seemed a little off. Why the fuck isn't – I was like thinking, I'm like, where the, fel, where the hell did Phil Hellmuth get eliminated? Uh, oops. Did he just not show up? Yeah, oops. Oops. Uh, yeah. So everybody listening at home, we went through a very fun couple of hour exercise here. Um, I guess we can stop the screen share now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, we left Phil Hellmuth out. The all-time bracelet winner. All-time bracelet winner with more Hold'em bracelets than anybody else has bracelets. Yeah. Um, okay, I think well, that's... Well, he got to buy into the final. <laughs> yeah, let's... Okay, let's do that, actually. Let's say it's a best two out of three. Let's mm-hmm. just say we said, you know what, Phil? Fuck yeah, we'll give you what you deserve. You feel you're the GOAT? All right, you get to go straight to... You play the winner. Yeah. Stu Unger, Phil Helmuth... Best two out of three. How do you think that goes? All right, so first match of the three, I, I think Unger can prevail. Second one, I think Homie fights back and comes back from a deficit in that one to come back to tie it up. Mm-hmm. And then Homie starts out with the lead. Unger gets back up to even, and then one cooler hand happens, and Homie wins. You think Homie? So you think Homie would beat? If they in, ended up playing in a cooler situation where I will say this, I think the roads to victory for each of those two are very different. Hmm. I think if Helmuth, and I'm not saying different from what you're saying. I'm saying that they each need to take different paths. I think if Helmuth wins the first match, he just about guaranteed wins the whole match. I hmm. think he wins the series. I think if Helmuth wins the first one, he could either sweep him or he would lose the second to win the third. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see too many situations in which if Unger wins the first one, Helmuth comes back. Um, because I think Helmuth gets in his own head a little bit. And, I, and I, th- I, I, I think Helmuth has more of a shot coming back from a deficit 1-0 compared to Unger, though. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I, I could see that being a bit of a case. I, I just, I feel like for Helmuth to come back and win a second one, he'd almost view it as a victory. Like he'd be like, oh man, it would take so much out of him. And that Stu would be like, hell no, I ain't letting this happen. But I think that would be the ultimate. I think when you think about it as No Limit Hold'em, I think the one person that had they have worked out actually, and that's funny because I was, as I'm looking at this, it, now for those, some people at home are going to be like, man, Sonny, you rigged this so that Stu would win it all. It does look that way because I think you're right. I think if there was anybody in the field, there's two people in the field that I look at that if given the chance at the right time could beat Stu Unger. Three. I think if Doug got Stu early, he could beat him. Mm-hmm. I think if Helmuth at any time in the tournament got him, he could beat him. Mm-hmm. And I think Johnny Chan's the other one. I would say the third situation is the least likely of the three, but I could also see that. I think those are the big three to me. 
of the rest of the 128 field, is there anybody that sticks out to you that you're like, if they got, if they got their chance against Stu could beat him? Maybe if uh, Ferguson faced him a little earlier. I could, yeah, I could see that. I could also see, I could see Chip Reese doing it. Uh, I could, there's a, there, it, it matchups are everything. I think that's the thing about tournaments. Matchups are everything. There are roads in which like Brian Rast could potentially beat um, Stu Unger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I just think, you know, I, a Scott Seaver could pull off a cooler. Or, or even Ben Yu or some, somebody like that if they face them early. I, I agree. Um, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the thing. I think, I think Phil Locke could take some weird lines against a Stu Unger and possibly, um, but against Stu, but Stu's almost would have, would have been too smart for that. He hmm. would have seen what Phil Locke's doing and been like, Oh yeah, you're going to try that road. I'm going to try that yeah. road. Or, yeah, or maybe Antonio faced him in the first round. I don't know. Cause I feel like Antonio Spandiari is one of those ones that needs the momentum. I think he, oh, okay. I, I think if he had gotten him in like a semifinal or a quarterfinal situation, I think the magician could have gotten the job done there. I think a Scotty okay. win, Scotty win early in the tournament, I think could possibly get it done. Or he's drunk, but not that drunk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A Gavin Smith could have posed him some troubles. Um. I think I think a Victor Blum early on could have posed him some troubles too, but I think yeah. I think it's just it, it goes to sh- I think it's just any it could have been anybody I think I think Helmuth being out does drastically affect things because let's put him into Kathy Liebert's spot. Uh, let me get out of there. Oh, I can't get out. Damn it. Um, anyway, yeah, let's put he, if he was against Kathy Liebert, and I'm trying to remember who the hell Kathy Liebert lost to. Uh, oh, Dan Coleman. Yeah. So if you put him in the Coleman um, route, Coleman beat, I mean, Helmuth beats Bousquet. Mm-hmm. He might beat Bonomo. I, I, I think he, he, I think he would beat Bonomo, not easily, but I think probably Helmuth, about 60. I think if you give Helmuth that portion of the bracket, Helmuth could find a way to the final. Mm-hmm. I think you could honestly. final against Unger, yeah. Yeah, I think you could find yourself in a situation there where, yeah, you you do find an Elmi, uh, a Helmuth Unger semifinal that could go either way. Mm-hmm. Did you see the match between Antonio and Helmuth on Poker Go? I don't even know who won it. No, I, I didn't watch that. I didn't watch either, and I haven't seen the result of it anywhere. But anyway, I know you've got golf this afternoon. But are you going with yeah. Aaron or? Yeah. Is it just the two of you or? Uh, and uh, Desiree's stepdad. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Nice. Well, I should let you go then for that. Thanks okay. for coming on. Oh, yeah. Um, Always a pleasure. And... But, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I, what's it like down there now? Is it getting nice and hot? Probably. It's, probably what it, it's still, still around triple digits Fahrenheit, but, <laughs> but it's starting to cool off. It's not 110, 115 degrees Fahrenheit. It's more around the 100 to 105. Mm, no <laughs> and and it's been a decent breeze like a cooler breeze not the blow dryer oh i hear you yeah. yeah to put it into perspective for anybody listening to this 
It's uh, the scheduled highs for the next five days in Las Vegas in Celsius are 43, 44, 44, 44. Jesus. Warm. Yeah. <laughs> Put that into perspective for Winnipeg, where today it's 20 degrees right now. Our next highs are 17, 19, 22, 19, and then it gets real. Then we're in for a real treat. 13, 12, 15. <laughs> 13, 12, and 15. Fuck me. Oh, yeah. man. COVID's messed up everything. Hey, watch out for the snow. <laughs> well, we had that storm last October. That's what, uh, yeah, that, man. It's, that it's, caused some problems with you trying to come down. It did. It was a big issue last summer. And, I mean, it's crazy. I don't know if you heard, but we um, – What's it called? Uh, today it made news. We're closer, I guess. It's funny because it's not a, I don't think it's a vaccine, but it's a treatment for COVID-19. Um, a Canadian company. Yeah, exactly. Um, has Maple come Gunner. close to, yeah. <laughs> Tim Hortons, just, just hang out at Tim Hortons. We'll just lock it yeah, up. I, 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 I would die there happy, I'm sure. It's, uh, it's, it's a I messed like up situation. My belly. It's a messed up situation all over yeah. the place. Uh, all of it but because i mean if you guys start to lose parts of 2021 i can't imagine there isn't a mass exodus from there where people are just like hell with it we're out of here well the thing is we have already lost some parts of 2021 that's right already with ces canceling and ces is already canceled no way yeah oh my god that is big that's massive crippling for us. And that is crazy. That yeah. is crazy. All right. I'm going to end the podcast. Uh, so just hold tight. All right. Well, I thank you all okay. so much for tuning into this episode of the seems legit podcast, a little bit of fun fantasy poker for you guys, just to change it up. Uh, token. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, when next pleasure. do you think we could catch you guys on the Vegas squares? Is there, episode, um, is there a new I one? I know up? we have- we have a golf pod one coming out tonight uh, nice. with the tour championship. So we got the top 30 players of the season playing down to the victor. I think the winner is either 10 or $15 million this year. Oh, wow. And I mean, it's an interesting system that they have the top 30, but it's tiered based on their performance coming in. You got the okay. leader at 10 under the next best at eight under seven under six under five under whole bunch at four, three, two, one, and the bottom five are all starting at even. So it's a, it's a climb up for them, but you could always catch us on a 12 ounce sports radio network. Okay. They also are part of uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> so this golf one comes out tonight or it already is out. Like you guys are recording already, it tonight or you guys have already recorded it. We already recorded it. We okay. recorded it yesterday. It okay. should be up on the 12 ounce sports network. You can catch replays on there. Or we're on Zingo TV, and you can always use the promo code 12OZ for a free uh, subscription. I'm not sure if it nice. works in Canada or not, but it works in the United States. I think it's channel 761 is the 12-ounce channel. Nice. All right. Well, I, I highly encourage all of you, give them a listen, uh, especially if you're into sports. 
Um, unlike me, where we kind of just talk about whatever the hell we want. Uh, if you want something truly focused, truly dedicated, um, way more in-depth perspective on sports, um, including the sport, the betting angle, which is really interesting. Uh, you know, these guys I understand way more about sports betting than I do. Um, setting lines. I'm the worst line setter. Um, and we have stories that we can talk about the next time we have the whole group on the, uh, on my podcast here, we'll talk about our shenanigans with, uh, with various ish, uh, things, but I highly encourage everybody give them a listen. Vegas squares podcast. It's sports talk by sports fans, um, that cover the entire gamut of sports. Anthony, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank all Thanks of you for, for tuning me, in. Uh, thank you. Take care and bye-bye for now.